Previously on Super Movie Ball. Movie announcer voice. You're malfunctioning. Won't that just come out like music? Yes, but the message will stay intact. You're the boss, Applesauce. What an, what, an, what an odd thing to say. This is Mac with the Super Movie Ball Podcast with an SOS. I repeat, SOS. We have movies, TV, and video games, but it won't last long. We need your help. Please, send help. Well, that's that. What are we gonna do, Spew? Same thing we always do, sir, Peter. Oh, yeah. to another episode of Super Movie Ball. I'm your one and only host for today, Mac. How you doing, guys and gals and goonies? I hope you're doing good. We got something special for you today, and I got somebody special here to do it with me. I got from Cinema Slop, once again, guest challenger, John. John, how you feeling? You got the eye of the tiger? I feel like I have the eye of the liger, uh, because we are in fantasy world. Uh, are we? I don't know if we are. Uh, Maybe we are. Actually, we are a little bit with this, this one. This is... This ain't reality. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll talk. We'll, we'll, you know what? We'll work through it. We'll work through it, and we'll come to a conclu- uh, a decision at the end. But let's all let's all agree that the liger is the superior eye to have. It is. Um, it's been a while. Not really, but it, it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, it, since we've recorded this, it hasn't been a while. But it's probably by the time this airs and gets out there, it's going to be a while. How you been, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, you know. Hanging out, waiting for my buddy Mac Bison to come visit my village. You know, that's right. It is Tuesday. It, it is, is Tuesday. Tuesday. That's yeah. that's a deep cut. Yeah. Somebody Just out there's laughing like at that. Six weeks and somebody will get it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's six weeks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell them about uh, season two of Cinema Slop? I'm excited about it. Well, season two is where we uh, we decided to. You know, we, we jumped headfirst into the portal, leaving the, the Sir Kevin Bacon behind, and now uh, we popped out on the other end of the portal in video game land. Yeah, so we're just talking video game movies, and because it, we don't know anything, we need a spirit animal guide journey Sherpa, and uh, we've asked you to kind of fulfill <laughs> that role, you know, tell us what oh, you can going on. Oh, man, that's you have messed up already with that, but I'm doing my best, and hopefully we, you won't get a lot of tweets or emails saying your expert sucks, but you, you're probably going to get some. Probably from me. You didn't stop me from making that ham-fisted portal reference, so uh, yeah. obviously you're already failing. <laughs> Why would I stop you? It's video game related. Did I get it right? That's the real question. Mostly. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. It's A for effort here, John, here at Super Movie Ball. It's not, we're, we're lovers, not experts. That's what we say. Cinema slop, it's D's for degrees, so. <laughs> well, you know, you know what you call doctor gets a D, right? Doctor. A doctor, that's right, buddy. So, no, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be on... The second season of Cinema Slop, it's great. We've been having a lot of fun. I can't wait for you. We just released, at the time of this recording, not we, you. 
I'm not cinema slop. You guys are. You guys just released uh, Super Mario Brothers, and it's really, really funny. Not because of anything I did, but because you guys are great on it. And Aww. you break it down, and I get to come in with my segment up top, and then on the back half of it to basically give my quote-unquote expert opinion on everything. But I've been having a really good time on it, and everybody should listen to that episode. So if you're interested in video game movies, and ever, I think everybody has seen at least one. You should definitely listen to this season of Cinema Slot because these guys have sacrificed their time and their sanity for you. <laughs> well, and we, we're going to go through 16 uh, to try and find the best of that pile of 16, which uh, we would have done a more exhaustive review. But really, this is just that, that's enough for us, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, you, you basically want a sample size yeah. of everything. You just want to get a nice scientific chunk of whatever. And I think you've done that. No, thank you. You've I mean, gotten uh, a nice cross section, so you can under, you can understand and correlate the data and break it down and uh, find out something you already knew that video game movies suck. So <laughs> it turn, turns out the video game movies are uh, they correlate really highly with spleen cancer. Oh no! I don't know I'm in, in who, but in somebody. <laughs> uh, me and Pat are in trouble. Oh boy! Oh, we have watched too many video game movies. Let's get back on track with this movie. <laughs> That's the best segue I got. Before we get into this, we're going to be talking about Under the Silver Lake, which shock and awe that we're talking about a recent movie. My understanding about this is this movie came out uh, in 2018, but some places I see 2019. Uh, You know, when I was watching this movie in the first, the early parts, I was like, have I seen this movie? And then I was like, no, I think I saw the trailer, but I I, I couldn't place when it was. So I think this might be one of those ones that like did a a, like a limited theatrical round and then popped up on Netflix or something because well after doing some like minor research it released in May of 2018 at Cannes the film Mm -hmm. festival it got mixed results and so A24 the production company behind this movie and the studio that released it were like whoa 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 um yeah we're gonna delay the release of this and then without any promotion or marketing they just dumped it on video on demand and gave it a DVD release, not Blu-ray, DVD release Ooh. in like November, or no, I'm sorry, in, in April this year, 2019. So it's actually a 2018 movie, but it got released proper in April of 2019. So, so they, they basically just held it in their schedule until they had an opening and then just dropped it. Dropped it. Yeah. That's lame. I think so. And we'll get into that as we probably at the end of our discussion, we'll talk about it. But before we get into that, let's get spoilers going on. And then after that, Spew's going to queue up the trailer so everybody's familiar with what the heck we're talking about. Spew, can you for us take care of spoilers and trailer, please? Thank you. This alert needs to inform all crew members that we are currently entering a spoiler zone. If you wish to avoid spoilers, please disembark now. I saw you spying on me earlier. No, I wasn't. Okay. See you tomorrow. Who moves out in the middle of the night? Nothing strange about it. She wanted to leave. How does that not make sense? I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she didn't like you. Maybe she knows you're poor and haven't paid your rent. I found some kind of code or like secret message in her apartment. It means to stay quiet. 
Our world is filled with codes, subliminal messages, from Silver Lake to the Hollywood Hills. Could any of this be connected to Sarah? I know this girl. There's a message in the music. Really think you're gonna find a hidden message in a pop song? One, two, three. Can't quite see it, but I'm close. Honey, how are you? Mom, I'm fine. Mostly fine. Um. Why do we assume that all of this information is what we're told it is? Maybe there are people out there who are more important than us, more powerful, communicating things in the world that are meant for only them and not for us. Yeah. Oh, you think that's weird? A little. Welcome to Purgatory. Good to be here. You're living in a carnival. Hoping to win a prize. What are you gonna win? Under the silver lake. Alright, are you ready for this? So were you you I'm just going to tell you this up top right after spoilers. I usually wait to the end, but you can actually watch this on Amazon. That's how I watched it. Right. And initially when it got released, there was a problem with the aspect ratio, uh, but they fixed that. So, cause it, it was for whatever reason, it was all scrunched up. Oh, they, they it, it released it anamorphically compressed. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad you know the proper term, but it wasn't four by three, but it was very compressed and it was all squished. It kind of mm. looks like when they take a widescreen uh, image of something back in the day and they squished it for four by three. But, they, mm-hmm. but you need to see the whole entire screen, and they don't do pan and scan. That's what it kind of looked like at first. If, if I had to say it you know, technically, I would say they probably took a 2351 uh, frame, played it back at the 16-9 aspect ratio height, and then horizontally compressed the image to get the wings to fit. Spew, can we get a nerd alert? Nerd! Nerd! <laughs> it's just math, yo. <laughs> No, actually, I, the, the the bad part about that, I understood everything you just said. So of course you did. You watched enough movies to like know that these numbers. Fire! Matter. I'm like, what is this? This is garbage. I apologize. I swore. I, you've watched enough movies to know that these numbers matter. No, I do. Yeah, well, it does because you're just like, why does this not look right? And then you look at the back of the cover, you know, or you pull up the stats on it, and you're like, oh yeah, they screwed up the aspect ratio. Okay, cool. Well, um, and anamorphic. Just to go on a side tangent, if yeah. you'll if you'll permit. No, absolutely. It's time for a sidebar. <laughs> Anamorphic is just photographically a really fascinating concept because what they used to do was they're like, we want this really wide image for the theater, but we have a standard 35 millimeter film strip. Right. So we're going to get a lens that squishes the image, like the light as it hits the film. And then we, when we project it, it'll decompress it. And what that does is, you know, mostly unnoticeable, but it creates really fascinating things that you only saw on certain types of movies where the lens flares had like a wideness to them. And that was like physically in the lens. And now JJ Abrams is like making plugins for after effects that like recreates it. But like you have to select like your lens type and your, you know, film stock and your, you know, all that stuff because it changed the way that things were shaped. And like, I, I don't know. So like, I don't know. Anamorphic photography is just really interesting to me. And it's very, um, very prominent in 70s and 80s, you know, movies. Yes. Yes. Anybody who's watched anything on TV, or even just the original widescreen, um, theatrically or on your TV, if it's done right, it looks amazing. But um, not not everything widescreen is anamorphic. Some of it was right. 
shot as a square and then they just cropped it down. It's exactly uh, aspect ratio talk, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> welcome to ratio with Horatio. Oh, dang it. My name's not Horatio. That almost worked. <laughs> the podcast about aspect ratios. Sorry, uh, you've lost all of your listeners. We can uh, go We on totally have lost up, but you know what? That's fine. Anybody, any film buffs who are here get what I'm talking about. That, they, that was the initial thing, which didn't help the release of this film because that was how it first was on there. So anybody that saw that was like, this looks wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all your brain can, if you don't know any of this other stuff, your brain's just like, yeah, this doesn't look right because it doesn't look right. So, but they fixed that. They fixed that right away. But that didn't help. What I'm saying is when they just dumped it and they literally just dumped it without hardly any marketing for this movie, but they fixed that now. So go watch it on Amazon. I just kind of want to talk about uh, A24 a little bit. Not a whole lot, but they released this movie, and I really like what they do. Even if I watch something by them, they're a production company, if you don't know. And if I mentioned some of the titles, you'd know what I'm talking about. Like, It Follows was actually a big hit, and this this is the same director of It Follows. Yeah, which I was real excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited about that, too, because I enjoyed that movie. It, it didn't knock my socks off, but it was a well-crafted, uh, put-together little horror movie that was great. Like, it just had a lot of tension. When it came out, my initial response to it was very positive, in part because you always hear me complaining about how things are over-plotted and rely too much on, you know, special effects and all that stuff. Yeah. It, it was just a very simple story told well, and like... <laughs> That's so rare that that's enough to get, you know, a large section of the nerd community just like, woo. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's an actual movie. There's a story in this thing. What? The yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So I, I enjoyed it. And A24, like I believe they released uh, Ex Machina. I think it's one of their films, if I'm not mistaken. My, my confidence level on that one is lower. Hold on one second. Yeah, it was. Okay. So I checked it. We're back in. I checked it. Yes. So. Here, here's some other stuff. Obvious Child was actually a pretty good one. Uh, Under the Skin, Enemy, The Bling Ring, Spring ba- Breakers. What's another one that they did? The Witch, that was a huge one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Lobster, Swiss Army Man. Not the same directors, obviously. Uh, the Black Coat's Darter, uh, A Ghost Story, which came out, The Florida Project, Lady Bird. So a lot of, just runs the gamut of a lot of different films. But my point is... And if, is, if I can... Watch yeah, Lady Bird. That's a good movie. Lady Bird is actually a really good movie. Again, that movie didn't knock my socks off, but it is a really good coming of age story. Well, and it's just every coming of age story is from a boy's perspective. And this one was from a girl's perspective and it still got me in the heart spot. And I was like, you know what? I like you, Lady Bird. I'm going to talk you up when I can. Um. Okay. I don't know that that's true, but I've seen a lot of uh, woman, female led coming of age story, but I do have sisters and a wife and I do watch a lot of quote unquote chick flicks. So um, I just liked it because it was, you see a lot of those nowadays and a lot of them can have like, you know, an adult getting over to divorce coming of age story. True. Yeah. You have the kids leaving the home you know, retiree coming of age story. And then you have young person coming of age story. So this was like a very tightly crafted and written, well-written, well-acted and solidly directed uh, coming of age story. Lady Bird was. Well, and I, and I think what I found particularly compelling was the relationship between the daughter and the mom. I, yes. Like as, as somebody with a complicated relationship with my mother, perhaps I, I found it relatable, you know? Well, who doesn't honestly? Yeah. And that's not a joke. I mean, who doesn't, but uh, no, I agree. I totally agree with what you're saying, but that's, that's the production company. So if any of those movies you like, I I'm excited about what they're doing because as much as I love, you know, like 
Star Wars and Marvel and big popcorn action Mission Impossible James Bond type movies. Nothing wrong with those. Nothing wrong with liking those. You can like both. You don't have to be in one camp or the other. It's not a thing. Right. But I also enjoy that they're taking chances. They're doing different things, telling different stories. I mean, The Witch is like a masterpiece. Like it is so amazing. And I'm not a horror guy at all, but it's just so well done. And like the time period it's set in, it could have been an anachronistic nightmare. But it's not. It's perfectly done, in my opinion. So they're producing movies like this, the one we're talking about today and the movies I just mentioned, and I like what they're doing. So I'm ha- I'm happy to support them. And what I'm trying to tell you is if any of these movies excite you, go out, support them. Go buy them. Go rent yeah. them. You know, vote with your dollars. And Because yeah, they, they are one of the few places doing challenging work, you know. It's not a sequel or reboot or it's based on a manga or a comic or a book. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that. I, I like things that are done that way. As long as the movie's good, I don't care. But I kind of am sick of just remakes and reboots and this is an adaptation of this or whatever. Can we get some new ideas? Not anything new as far as the type of movie it is, but the way it's done is new. I kind of want to just get this out of the way, John. What did you think about this movie? Well, much like A24, I had a complicated reaction to this film. Okay. Uh, This this is actually kind of, it's rare that I could say this so succinctly where I've been so not really engaged in a film while understanding its message and basically identifying with it. Okay. So the, the message as I read it, if you don't mind me, sort of skipping way ahead Nah, man we're into spoilers and we're just we're doing this it's basically like you know it's a movie about you know not only los angeles and a specific area of los angeles but Mm -hmm. the kinds of people that move there and sort of the the existential sort of crises of our generation and Mm -hmm. more specifically people that (laughs) so it's sort of like positing that we have a uh, an era of people that are growing up that all feel lost in their consumeristic pop culture existence. More specifically in Silver Lake, you have an area of people that are also in an incredibly vain environment where they're all trying to feel like they belong while at the same time competing for attention and trying to stand out as unique. Um, So essentially what it's saying is that all of these people, uh, despite all of their ideas about what mysterious things there might be in society and all that stuff and all of the value of their pop culture and all of their place in society they're all focused on the wrong thing and they're all basically lonely and dying inside yeah you know i mean i'm, I'm sort of extrapolating it but like no i think you you've hit the nail on the head for the most part when i wrote down a couple of key lines that sort of i think really get to the to the core of it and it's like there's the one woman who just tells the main character the bar i'm stuck now so i might as well make the best of it and then later on, somebody says, get a dog. You could use some unconditional love. And then there's the entire thing with the music producer character saying, like, your culture doesn't matter. Everything yeah. you consume is produced. You're putting value on the wrong things. And that's sort of like, I, I agree with that message. However, yes. the way that the story was told by way of somebody essentially losing the ability to test reality and falling into a conspiracy theory wormhole. I did not find particularly interesting, but I just, I think that's more a problem with the kinds of films that I like. Oh, okay. So you didn't like the conspiracy theory aspect of this, like him looking for signs and codes and clues into, into everyday mundane things. You didn't, you didn't care for that. Well, I'm very, 
like I spend a lot of time reading science literature and stuff. And like, I just know that humans are pattern seeking animals and that most patterns don't actually mean anything, you know, it's like gazing at the clouds just because there's a face in the cloud doesn't mean that there's a reason for the face to be there. True. So it, I tried to suspend that part of my disbelief, but even so the mystery was never presented in a way where the audience had a chance to figure it out with the character. You're just watching somebody make connections. You're watching somebody make connections. And I think that's not, I think I, I, uh, well, I'm not the filmmaker. I shouldn't say I know. I feel that that's on purpose because the mystery is not what's important in this. And that's why, because at first you're like, what's going on? I don't understand like what's happening. Like sometimes like he's daydreaming and sometimes he's not and bizarre things happen. So it's like, what, what, what is, is he an unreliable narrator? Like what, what's, what's happening here to the thing. And I don't think you're supposed to necessarily follow the mystery. You're just supposed to go along for the ride. And so that's why the, the paranoid thing kind of worked for me. Like this it's obviously what I would call, it's not neo-noir, it's modern noir. Well, it's it's sort of trying to do like a cross between like a brick kind of noir story, but with like a David Lynch kind of Sensibility. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, it's somewhere between that fantasy and noir. It is, because I, I would agree. There's, there's definitely a little bit of Hitchcock in here. There's a little bit of David Lynch in here. Um, there's a little bit of Ryan Johnson, who is the director of Brick, in mm-hmm. here, um, but not really Ryan Johnson specifically. More that noir feel to it, that 40s, 50s yeah. um, noir thriller type movie that was like redone in the 70s, and it had its own little uh, spin on it because it was like, and then it, we we got dipped into government paranoia in the 70s, right. which I kind of I want to talk about this one film I watched again recently which is called the parallax view it's amazing and so this is more modern noir because it's very dirty and grimy and mm-hmm. very much the seedy underbelly of what hollywood is right or what people estimate it to be it's not actually like that but maybe it is a little bit but they play into it really well early on because yes they, they open up in that that coffee shop and that shot of the window that's been vandalized yeah. And as the camera rotates, you're like, okay, so this is a 70s period piece. We've got, or 70s or 80s period piece, 70s or 80s period piece. And uh, you've got, you know, people dressed like in retro clothing and, and it's like a porcelain tile environment. And the camera rotates, you slowly realize like, oh no, we're just in Hipsterville. Yes. Everything's retro and a wink, wink. Type but of. for what it's worth, that is only a slight exaggeration of that neighborhood. <laughs> well, that's what I said. It's like that, but then it's not like, and this is where my commentary comes in is that the people in that neighborhood are like that. It is a bizarre area, but it's, there's a lot of people hate on hipsters and, and I'm guilty of jokingly doing it myself, but there's a lot of people that move there. And the reason why they end up looking like that is because like I said, they're, they're earnestly trying to fit in while trying to stand out in an environment where standing out is the only thing that matters. Like they're just trying to, to express themselves, but also be part of a group. It's like this dichotomy that sort of defines, I think a lot of the struggling people in Hollywood. I could not describe that any better. I think it's because you live out there. So you understand it more yeah. than I would. Cause you've seen it firsthand and been around it. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with those people. I mean, yeah, sure. Some of them are probably D bags, but that that's anywhere. That's anywhere you go. Absolutely. Yeah. But it has nothing to do specifically with, with LA or anything like that. But sorry. Uh, I derailed you. 
No, you did, but you're going in the same place that I was going, which was this is sort of a throwback movie, but it's very it feels very modern to me. It feels very um of 2018, 2019. Do you know what I mean? But it mm-hmm. feels sort of like, like there's all there's like this ominous music which is fantastic. The guy who did the music for this, did the music for It Follows, completely different soundtracks, a completely different score. But I felt this one was more like old Hollywood. Like it sure. felt like Hitchcock and it was always there. And there was rarely any, like if there was no dialogue or anything like that, there was rarely any parts where you didn't hear music. It was mm-hmm. a constant like droning score with violins and stringed instruments, like just in the background, sort of like creating tension, not not um, telling you how to feel, but creating atmosphere. Right. Um, and the movie's really good at that with the music and just the tone of it. Well, also at certain points to me, I don't know, maybe you could felt differently being hilarious in certain parts. Yeah. I mean, the movie definitely had an undercurrent of humor. Yes. And the humor was for the most part, I think integrated into the story in a way that wasn't distracting. You know, sometimes movies that are very serious or, you know, like, uh, like you said, conspiracy driven or whatever, like they throw yeah. in humor and it just sticks out. But this, this did a good job with it. I think it fits because it's the whole thing's kind of bizarre. And so I think all of the humor, like I thought this was funny. Maybe it wasn't meant to be funny, but in the opening, there's a squirrel that falls to its death mm-hmm. and it's just like straight into the camera. The squirrel is just like falling towards it. And if it didn't splatter into this like big blood splat, splat it would have been funny. Because it was like, it looked very cartoonish, even though it was, it wasn't, you could tell it wasn't a real squirrel. It was like an animatronic squirrel or something like that. (laughs) Right. But it was just like, "Ah," and it fell. And then as it was like dying, like it looked up at our main character, who's Sam, and is like, just like staring at it. And Sam's just staring at the squirrel, like horrified that this is like, he just witnessed his squirrel fall to his death. There's so many things, which is why I want to go through this movie at some point with a fine tooth comb later on you know, in my own personal watching to kind of, there's, there's just so many things it kind of throws at you that like have meaning. Like you, you mentioned with the coffee shop, mm-hmm. it says on there, beware the dog killer, but we're seeing it from the reverse angle. So like, what is, what does that mean? Like, is it, is there something more to that? There's like different threads and themes being ran through and some of them tie together and some of them don't, they're just kind of loose. And I think right. that's the whole point of it is that because he sees patterns and meanings and everything, we also, as the viewer, are seeing pattern, patterns and meanings mm-hmm. in certain things. But some of those things don't matter. Right. And it's it's that very noir thing where he's following the trail and some, some places are dead end and he's got to backtrack and he's got to go back, you know, the gumshoe or whoever, the detective, he's got mm-hmm. to backtrack because this thing led him to a dead end. And I think that was the point of that. I could be wrong, but... That's just the way it felt when I was watching it. And I thought that was very clever. And I thought that was so also kind of a misdirect because certain things were important and certain things were. The mystery is not the important thing about this, even though well, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the funny thing about this movie. Well, the mystery is, like you said, it's it's not the point. Mm-mm. But as a, as a viewer, I think because of my natural bias, I was hoping to get more of a a pull from that. Um, yes. But, but there were, like you said, with the pattern seeking, there were lots of things that are important that aren't necessarily plot, you know? Yeah. Even just little things that sort of support the thesis that this is about, you know, prioritize, prioritizing the wrong things. Like, the guy at the bar is like, what, Topher Grace? Oh, yeah, that's Topher Grace, yeah. Yeah, like, which he seems to be his closest friend. 
um, because he has a girlfriend, but he's also immediately willing to cheat on her. And he, you know, all this is stuff that like, his girlfriend or is that just a well, sex the, buddy? Yeah. But to back that point up, Topher okay. Grace, who's one of the biggest name actors in this movie. Yeah. His character is just named bar friend. Like you don't know his name. So it's again, <laughs> adding to that isolation of, you know, you're in a crowd, but you're by yourself, you know, like this guy is essentially on his own in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. He doesn't really have anybody he talks to his mom all the time. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he like has a relationship with his mom, but he doesn't really connect with her, but obviously he loves her and she feels like she's out of touch mm-hmm. a little bit um, from him. And he's just living his life. And so he takes the call from his mom, but he never feels like he's fully paying attention to her. He's not engaged. Of course. Yeah. And so that solidifies the point you just made where he has friends and there's people that he knows, but he's trying to find meaning and everything. Hence the reason that starts that kicks this whole thing off, this whole mystery. You know, he's spying on this girl um, with the binoculars who's at his pool. And before that, he was smiling on this other lady who's like walking around. She's like kind of hippie and she's walking around topless in her um, on her balcony. He starts spying on this, this girl that starts swimming at the pool and he runs into her and they start talking. They sort of have like a moment. The next day she moves out and he wants to know why. You know what I mean? Because they had a moment and it was like to him that meant everything. But he didn't right. really know her at all. So that backs up exactly what you said like he is find he finds meaning in all these different things and because he doesn't have any real relationships, he just finds meaning in people, you know, that that's, you know, if you met somebody the day before, you wouldn't say, "Hey, you know, we're together, right? Like we're boyfriend and girlfriend or right. you know, this is going somewhere." But like, "No, I literally just met you last night. What are you what are you talking about?" So this whole thing is sparked on because he has like, and there's this running thing too, where he's like sort of a worshiper, like an idol worshiper. Mm -hmm. Like he, he has all these posters on his wall and you know, like you said, his girlfriend or whatever she is, they're like doing it and stuff. And on his wall is like a picture of Kurt, a poster of Kurt Cobain. And like, we're staring at it and the girlfriend's staring at it while they're doing it. And then like, he has all these different, um, you know, things on his wall and like women he like spies on through his binoculars he has this idealized version of this girl that he meets the mystery girl mm-hmm. which I, that's what i'm gonna call her the mystery girl in the hat she even has like that old hollywood lighting where her eyes are i call it the um captain kirk lighting where her eyes are just lit like the, the light <laughs> right. goes across her eyes um like they, she's they lit, still like do old it. hollywood it's a more subtle now what's that <laughs> they still do that it's just a little more subtle now it's a little more subtle, but like it's very old Hollywood and she has the big oh, yeah. hat on, you know, I call it the church hat. She's got the big church hat on and <laughs> she's got a big white flowy dress. So she's like virginal, if you will, not to get too deep into this, but he obviously worships different things. You know what I mean? And that's, that's his deal. He's trying to find meaning in things that are just supposed to be entertainment or fun or sort of casual. He finds this deeper meaning yeah. and he, that's his problem is because he doesn't have meaning. He just like worships anything and everything he can, he can come close to. Well, and, and there's another one of those lines that I wrote down was when Topher Grace is at his place and they're playing Mario Brothers. And Topher says, you know, it used to be that anybody could wander into the woods and discover something, but now there's no mystery left in the world, so we crave it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's like, that's sort of, I think, the thesis of this movie, you know? But Exactly. It's I think it's 
it's not ham-fisted or anything. I think it's handled pretty well. No, I mean, and if you remember It Follows, there's sort of similar moments where the the girl with the e-ink reader, like the little clamshell thing is like mm-hmm. reading poetry. And like I, this director is, from what I can tell, he's he's talking to the audience in little bits and bites, but he always seems to do it through ancillary, ancillary characters and sort of in these moments of pause between the action. Yes. Um, so it, it's never crazy intense. It's sort of like when Kevin Smith would show up with Jay and Silent Bob and they would drop a little line of knowledge in a moment, like a wall after like the peak of the tension, you know? And Right. Yeah. That's except for good, obviously that's... much more uh, seriously. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. It is very much like Kevin Smith where he would come in as Silent Bob and just say this profound thing. And that'd be his one line and right. he'd walk off stage. Right. Um, but and it, it doesn't derail anything. It just, you know, I don't think it derails anything. It does make it obvious because, sure. and to be fair to him, this comes in a little bit before halfway through when Topher Grace says this line. And basically it's the thesis statement of the movie, but we don't know what's going on. Right. Like he's just following clues and trails and he's writing things down and he's following people. In the meantime, we get little bits of his character. There's so much to this movie. Like, at one point, somebody's defacing his car, and it's a bunch of kids going down a street, defacing cars, egging and mm-hmm. putting bubble gum underneath the handles and keying cars. He just outright, like, when I saw this the first time, I was, like, shocked because he just outright beats the crap out of these kids. Right. When I watched it again this time before for this episode, I was like, oh... It's supposed to hammer in to us, the audience, and I probably was too stupid to, to notice this the first time, that this kid's a child. Mm-hmm. Like, the way he dresses, the way he acts or interacts with people, you know, a kid falls in love with a pretty girl he just met. Right. Do you know what I mean? A kid... That's actually you know, a great is, observation. I... Look, a kid plays, still plays video games. I don't believe that's true, but that's just how some people view it. A kid still doesn't pay his rent on time. You know what I mean? A kid still just like goofs off he this guy doesn't have a job we never see him go to work well and I, I think this actually underscores all the other points about isolation and stuff is that he's he's obviously that arrested development has led him to you know if he's literally childlike that's part of the reason that he's not functional like a lot of people would you know come out here with hopes and dreams they're not necessarily grounded you know so i mean that kind of as a layer of criticism i think is pretty interesting yeah yeah i i agree and like he's still into you know, if you know, <laughs> if you play a record backwards, there's hidden messages. I mean, we thought that like when we were teenagers, but you don't think that now, like that was like a thing that, especially in the eighties, there was like, if you play that record backwards, there's hidden messages. That's all stuff like teenagers think and do, right. you know what I mean? But he's still doing it and he's still finding messages in stuff like that. And my point is, is that when he goes and he beats these kids up in the street and i mean he doesn't just grab them and like what are you doing you keyed my car you little punk he's like floors them he absolutely floors them and it's shocking and it's unwarranted and it's disturbing it's because he thinks these kids are on his level mm-hmm. like that's my belief and when i'm watching this you know and i've seen this a couple of times he thinks that he's the that their age like he has the right to be like nah man these kids are like my age so i'm just gonna i'm gonna give them what they deserve you know what i mean and even if he doesn't literally think that you know, like if he's at that mental maturity level, that's, you know, yeah, because who would do that? He's tw- he, he, how much he's more than twice their size when he's like 30 years old. You know? He's 30 years old. He's like 28 years old or just like 33 years old. I think in the movie is what he's supposed to be. I think they state that at one point. And these are literally like 12 year old kids. Yeah. 
and just it's it's violent and it comes out of seemingly nowhere i mean he is they they are keying his car but you wouldn't react that way so i think i was like why is this in the movie i was like this doesn't fit and he's not really violent with any well that's not true <laughs> i was gonna say he's not violent with anybody else <laughs> but that that statement's actually not true he doesn't like he's hiding for most of the movie He's hiding behind a tree. He's hiding behind a car. He's hiding in the lake. For a lot of this movie, he's on the back foot, which is very noir. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like a man versus the system. So that very that fits very much with what the movie's going for. But also, he he doesn't do that with anybody else. It's not like he's grabbing a bartender and like, tell me where she is. Like he doesn't really do that. He does that with children and he does that with a woman in the woman's bathroom. Mm -hmm. He does that. And then he gets taken out uh, when he's messing with women in the women's bathroom. There's a lot of strange things happening in this some of its dream stuff some of it's not like when he gets need in the crotch and he goes down and then all these women come in there and they, they start yelling at him and then they bark at him and then i i well, i think those moments were transitioning between his sort of i think it was sort of implying that he had a little bit of a fantasy world going on and it was bouncing between what was happening and what he thought was happening yes so it was, um, it was like a blending there you know yeah, I mean, I know if you're listening to this, we're bouncing all over the place. To be fair, the movie kind of bounces all over the place. I mean, it's it's sequential, but it's kind of crazy. And the thing that solidifies it is um, he has a T-shirt on, and a lot of his T-shirts are retro stuff. Like, he has a t-shirt, uh, T-shirt of the game Jungle Hunt I used to play mm-hmm. as a kid. <laughs> it's a very old video game. He's got a shirt of that. One of his ringtones is called... It's a game I used to play with my friend on the Commodore 64 called The Last Ninja. So when his phone rings, it's that's the one of the songs from one of the levels. And I remember it because the music from that uh, game is really good. So a lot of retro stuff, a lot of nostalgic stuff for him. So again, adding to that theory that he's just like this man child and that he hasn't really grown up. You know what I mean? He still idolizes Kurt Cobain and everything like that. Not from like, oh man, he was an amazing musician and songwriter, but like he's my hero um, because later on, like you said, when he meets the songwriter, I'm just going to call him the songwriter. When he meets the songwriter, he freaks out because the songwriter tells him, he's like, you know, you think that everything you love is for you and it's somebody else's ambitions and dreams. I'm just putting the message out there, but right. the message ain't for you. And I did it to your grandparents, your parents, you, and the generation after you. I'm going to be writing songs, but it's a hidden message for somebody else. And it's crazy, and he starts like freaking out, and he kills the guy. But this scene, what's really well done, in my opinion, is that this whole scene, it's like a crescendo of him playing these songs yes. while he's monologuing at Andrew Garfield. There's a point midway in the scene where the camera goes from, in traditional films, when two characters are talking, the camera's slightly off-center, so the, the person's not looking directly into the lens. Yes. Because it's, it's aggressive to look into the lens. But in the middle of the scene, the camera shifts that extra yes. five degrees. And now the, the songwriter is saying directly in your face as an audience member, yes, your culture doesn't matter. <laughs> you value the wrong things. And it's, I mean, it's like, it doesn't get much more direct than that. Like, it doesn't. And you feel it and you're like, you're right. Does it really matter? Uh, any, does, does, do the Ninja Turtles really matter? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, is that something I should value as like it, as a part of me? Like I, it's a part of my identity or whatever, or should I just grow up and realize that, you know, there are more important things to care about and should be a part of my identity. Well, and you know, combining that with sort of the man child arrested development sort of aspect 
Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's more general than just Silver Lake. I think this movie is saying that we as a generation of people have, you know, arrested development. You know, like we, we have. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's making an argument for, you know, like, hey, we should all have 2.5 kids and a dog and a picket fence. But it's saying like. No. We have as a culture lost sight of what's really important, which is probably relationships, you know, like. Yeah. Family, friends. Yeah. Uh, making the world uh, the best place we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, helping one another. Uh, helping other people to be the best people they can. You know what right. I mean? So, but, you know, what do we value? Oh, you know, when's the next Marvel movie coming out? Or when's the next, this movie coming out? Or when's, you know, this rock band or whatever. Whatever the case may be. I know I sound like an old man right now, but. Well, this movie made you do it. This movie kind of made me do it. And <laughs> it's. It, it brings up some some points, but it also, as it's facing a mirror to its audience, it's also saying that, you know, liking these things and being a little obsessed with them is okay, but how far are you going to take it? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it doesn't it doesn't demonize uh, because you still like the Ninja Turtles or whatever your thing is. Do you know what I mean? Even uh, the songwriter says in his monologue, he's like, I'm glad you like the melody. Just sit back and enjoy that. But the message isn't for you. You know, like that's, that's like part of the thesis that he's doing too, is it's okay to like this stuff, but it's not talking to you. No. Yeah. I have to bring this point up because I recently saw, um, once upon a time in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and that movie has a very much hangout meandering feel to it Mm -hmm. without spoiling anything. I don't think that spoils anything, but I think this film sort of does that better it's not a hangout movie but it does meandering a little better whereas once upon a time in hollywood i don't think quite nails it but they're going for two different things to be fair i know somebody out there is out there like that those are two different things they are but i think this movie does it better because it's driving somewhere whereas that movie i just mentioned the quentin tarantino movie once upon a time in hollywood it's not i don't it's going somewhere but man does it take the scenic route and i like this movie because it does that but i never felt bored i don't know about you john i can't speak for you but i never felt bored or like come on come on let's go let's keep it moving i always felt like there was always something going on whether it was a character moment whether it was some clue or plot or atmospheric thing that we're supposed to get like i said up front i have i like the message of this movie i like the the elements that we're talking about like are really but not great. The, quite all of the execution. I think this is where I differ from you because okay. I think for me, I was basically on board with the movie plot wise, pacing wise, everything up until about the songwriter portion. And then the segment after that, which I don't need to go into detail about that part of the movie. Um, basically I, I could have done without most of the rest of the film until the last 10 minutes, you know? Okay. So I, I think like songwriter, maybe the eviction stuff coming to a head and the end can stay. But to, to me, the, the real interesting portion of the film completed its, 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 its message, like its message, Yeah, you know, around that portion, which is about two thirds of the way through. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's definitely towards the end. And right after the confrontation with the songwriter, there definitely is a shift in tone mm-hmm. and the movie sort of accounts for that. Like it starts to rain, which it rarely rains out there. I mean, it does, but you know, it's a, it's not an everyday thing. So we got, again, some noir stuff. He's upset because the reason why he attacks the songwriter is because he doesn't want to believe that the songwriter has come up with, you know, basically everything he stands on, you know, mm-hmm. and as far as what, what he believes, what he worships, what he identifies with himself, which is 
popular music in this case. We don't, you know, it's it's a very conspiracy theory thing that, you know, one guy wrote all these different songs. And right. I do like the metal, the melody. Is that right? That's not right. What am I, what am I thinking of? Medley. Medley. There we go. That's the word I'm thinking of. Medley that he plays because it's like Cheers and it's like La Bamba. And it's like, smells like teen spirit. It's like everything. It's like Mm -hmm. from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s till now. Even this song that's really popular by this group, which we haven't mentioned, Jesus and the Brides of Dracula is this group. That's sort of this, I don't even know how, how would you describe them, John? They're like this sort of. They're just like, if you took him and added three like doo-wop singers. There you go. Perfect. It's like that. And they sound like mid to early 90s progressive female pop group. Yeah, with like Uh, a little bit of like synth wave synth wave yeah and the song is actually pretty good but the the point is is that he wrote that song uh it's it's kind of crazy and the tone does change and he seems like more of a miss uh on a mission and it's the reason for it is because the confrontation with the songwriter is the resolution to the mystery sort of most of it well i think after that if they had stuck with resolving the girl that would have been fine but they introduced several new mysteries i think was sort of where i didn't follow you know right i i think and that whole interaction is like wizard of oz meets the architect from the matrix right kind of it has stuff. a climactic feel you know i mean if it, it very much does you know he just tells him like your culture is the shell of another man's ambitions and that like hits hard for him and it like breaks him he has to he doesn't know where to go because the, the trail sort of runs cold for him at that point and he has to kind of regroup because he has the knowledge so it's like what do i do with this knowledge am i going to act on it or am i not going to do anything with it and then he goes to a party and meets up with this other girl and they go swimming and the interaction he has with the homeless guy is very interesting because the homeless guy isn't wrong mm-hmm. the homeless guy's like do you have any change and sam's wearing his pajamas right so he doesn't have anything on him, like cell phone, nothing. And he's like, sorry, I don't have anything. And so the homeless guy is like, does, does your lady know you're cheap? Right. And he curses the guy. And the guy's like, starts cursing back at him. And the, the woman's just like, just next time, give him a dollar. Like, what's your deal? But he's about ready to, Sam's about ready to get evicted. So the homeless guy's not wrong. He's about ready to be in the same boat. But the point is, is that Sam states his disgust for the homeless. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're about two seconds from being homeless, dude. What makes you any better than that guy? And I think that speaks to a lot about that dude's character like I, this character's kind of not kind of he's not a good dude right and he's not somebody i would want to hang out with or be around he doesn't have great qualities but i think when you're doing a noir story you, you have a character your main character usually has dark spots in there and has flaws i think that's what makes noir stories so interesting and the funny thing is is we don't have time john but there's so much stuff that we're skipping over well, just in regard to the homeless thing, though, yeah, his lack of self-awareness extends far beyond the money situation Yeah, because he says, I hate homeless people because they sit on the outside of society looking in and they don't participate. And like he's, he's literally just describing himself. He's describing himself. It's, it's, so so it's, it's, it's very ironic. Yeah. It's beyond just the money. So yeah, it's beyond just that. So this, this movie has like conspiracy theory stuff, which I like, not because I buy into it, but because it's always like fascinating to me that people do buy into it and how far they buy into it and and the paranoia behind that and the finding meaning in the meaningless you know it's a good mix of 21st century ennui 70s paranoia and the 1940s darkness meaning how things were going from like a more wholesome era to a more immoral era is how like my grandfather would 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 say you know he's like yes generations my generation was started to be more immoral 
compared to my parents' generation or whatever. And so it mixes all of those things from all these different decades into one thing. And I think for the most part, it does a, a good job. Not I don't like everything in this movie, but I think this movie's interesting and there are interesting enough things that you could have a discussion on it. Honestly, this could go on for forever. I mean, we haven't even talked about the homeless king. We haven't talked about <laughs> there's a lot of Zelda references. Right. We haven't talked about another thing that makes him seem like a child. He's very into comic books and he's reading the comic books and he's getting story and clues from or not plot and clues from the the comic books. He also seems like constantly drugged up and paranoid. Mm-hmm. He constantly feels like he's like high through this whole thing and I don't know if it's just because he's so aimless that makes him feel seem like a stoner dude, right. but he does do drugs throughout uh the movie. There's just the mystery girl is he has like a fantasy, like a dream about her, and everything she does is like out of a Marilyn Monroe movie, like straight up, like almost shot for shot. <laughs> and the lighting again is that old Hollywood lighting where everything is like looks like Technicolor. You know, it's very colorful and bright, and the spotlights on her, and it's very fantasy like. And there's another one where he goes to a party, and the, a ticket is the, or yeah, the ticket is a cookie, and the, he's they're like, don't eat it. And then when he gets to the door, he's like, you got to take a bite out of the cookie. Well, the cookie is like has some hallucinogen in it or something and he eats the whole thing and he freaks out and so and he when he's in the party you hear a lot of pretentious talk you know what i mean because it's a party it's a it's a private performance party where one of the backup singers for the the main group that he's following is doing her own thing her own songs and so you have a lot of influencers there and social climbers and all that stuff so it's there's there's a lot going on and there's a lot that this movie throws at you it's funny that you mentioned Topher Grace's character says there's no more mysteries in the world but the movie postulates you know are there are there no more mysteries are there no more mysteries and I think you and I John are very pragmatic to where like well yeah there's mysteries out there like scientific mysteries like why does this do that or why you know how does a bumblebee fly like that scientifically doesn't make any sense like he should not be able to fly like can we figure that out you know what I mean like what's in the oceans you know what I mean what's out in space you know what I mean what space anomalies can we find so I think you and I are kind of like yeah there are mysteries to solve but as far as like you know you know is there governmental class uh, is there a governmental slash, not slash, but um, governmental mysteries or or, or um, plots? Are there, is there, a, a, you know, an upper class plot, you know, or, you know, do they, is there like a secret society and you have to be so rich and so powerful to be a part of and blah, blah, blah. I don't think you and I buy into that. Well, I, th- I think the, the dividing point is you and I say like, what is, I don't know, that black hole over there? And then somebody sends a, you know, spaceship up and they like put a telescope up there and they investigate and they come up with an explanation we have sweet next mystery whereas <laughs> this this is more just like you said the conspiratorial pattern seeking like there's a confusing pattern and another confusing pattern what if i put two confusing things on top of each other you know like it's <laughs> it's just like building a pyramid out of sand based mysteries it's just um, right i mean if you if you line up enough stuff statistically you can find meaning in it or maybe you can't you know um but the movie postulates oh maybe there aren't there are more mysteries out there that we don't know about. And it only does that because then the main character has something to do. I don't know that the movie believes that or wants us to subscribe to it, but can I give you my conclusion interpretation? Absolutely. Cause it, it does what you're saying, right? But yes. I think the conclusion of the movie, if I mean, extreme spoiler warnings, uh, yeah, we're past that buddy. I know, but this is like the last shot. Basically <laughs> right. he, he leaves his apartment. He just abandons it and he goes to the topless neighbor 
and she opens the door and she lets him in and they go to bed. And the movie ends with him watching the eviction of his house take place. <laughs> and he honestly seems more content than he has for the duration of the film. Yes. Uh, so I, I really do think the conclusion of it is sort of, I don't know, saying maybe give up all of this, you know, pointless running around searching for meaning and just get involved with what you see. I, I totally agree with that because he is, he does seem very satisfied with what's going on. And like, there's a lot of references to the legend of Zelda and stuff like that. There's, there's references to Pharaohs because basically at the end of the movie, you find out that the rich and powerful uh, on the West Coast or anywhere, they believe they're pharaohs and they're going to be buried alive with their mistresses and ascend to a different plane of existence. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be rich and powerful enough to afford all of these things to happen. And they get buried underground and they can't come out and they're going to they're going to ascend. And that's what they believe. And it's it's kind of crazy because Sam doesn't buy into it. And he thinks it's crazy that all these things are happening, but he's powerless to stop it because it's too big of a machine for one man to stop, which is very much a trope of noir films, which I kind of like because is is one, you know, you want to believe that one person can make a difference, but, you know, is that the case? It, it, it postulates that question. I'm not saying one man can't make a difference, but I'm just saying realistically, if you're if you're breaking it down, can one person make a difference? Can one person fight an entire system by themselves, not with a group of people, not one person leading the charge, but can one person against a secret conspiracy do anything? And a lot of noir films, you know, say no, you can't. Yeah. Um. You just kind of have to do the best you can with what you got and. Hopefully, if the if the mystery lets you live, it'll let you live with it. Because not all, all noir films let you live at the end of it. But my point is, is that I think you're right. He's very aimless. He's searching for meaning, and I think him them going into the apartment and he can hear, or at least we as the audience can hear, which I'm assuming he also can hear because he's not that far away. You know, the landlord and the sheriff comes in and is like, what's all this crap? Look at this place. It's <laughs> terrible. Oh, what'd he do to that wall? Because, you know, he's doing conspiracy theory stuff and he's got a bunch of stuff everywhere. And so you can hear the eviction, not just see it, but hear it right. happening. And he's just like, there goes all of my records, you know, because he's real into music, obviously. There goes all my video games. He's all, there's like, he has old Nintendo Power magazines and vi- old uh, Nintendo and posters and t-shirts and everything there's everything all the pop culture stuff he loved and it's about ready to go to the curb if not the dumpster and he's just he's perfectly fine with it so it's everything that he used to hold dear is now being tossed out and he seems to be okay with it but there's there's like a lot of references in this movie there's a ton of references and i wish i could name them all but i don't well whoever you have 30 songs alone in that one scene so oh my goodness it's crazy there's like an old seven reference to an old 70s serial that's in there and the only reason i know is because i remember the box when i was a kid um there's again there's a ton of stuff to like video games like legend of zelda there's a ton of stuff with music references not just the sound but like specific artists and things like that and uh, movies obviously it's hollywood so they're definitely going to reference movies the thing that cements what you talked about, John, at the end of the film is why he's okay with it. It's because the music sounds triumphant at the end. Yeah. I noticed that. Like, I noticed that the first time around, but it hit harder the second time. The music sounds like he did it. He did it. He, he yeah. beat the conspiracy. He, 
he he solved the mystery and you know the the sun's going to shine again you know what i mean like it's like he found he finally found meaning in life is what i got from that because the music sounds very triumphant yeah very triumphant at the end so it's just kind of crazy so we haven't talked about this movie for that long i don't feel because there's not enough here is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrapped up I think that, you know, I just want to reiterate what I said up front. I, I find the content of this film to be really interesting. Um, it just it just didn't grab me as much as I wish it had, because obviously we've spent an hour talking about it and uh, there's quite a few things to, to mull over. And I think that it has a lot of things to say and it's very interesting. Um, so if, if you're listening to me, don't be discouraged by me because there's a lot there. I just don't know that it was my movie, you know? Okay. Yeah. So, I... like, so I'm not like, I'm not mad at it. I just, you know, I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> No, I just. <laughs> I hope you're not mad at me for making you watch it. No, not at all. But like, if, and what's interesting is I looked up the rating for this movie on IMDb, and it scored pretty low. And then I went to Letterboxd, which I always prefer because it feels like the uh, the Marvel fanboys taint the ratings a little bit less. Fair enough. But if I you stopped to, using IMDb a long time ago, well, but if you go to Letterboxd, the rating is like significantly higher. So yeah. what that tells me is just that this movie has an audience. Uh, this is for some people; it's not for other people. Um, even though it wasn't what I engaged with, like the most of everything that I've watched recently, like, like Max said, there's a lot here that's interesting. It's a great movie to, you know, get a cup of coffee and talk about afterwards, you know? Yeah, I agree. This is a great coffee shop movie to talk about. So I, it sounds like you recommend it, even though not everything was your cup. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would say I, I lightly recommend it, you know? So okay, cool. Your mileage may vary. Oh, well, oh sure. Sure. Absolutely. I, I think the fact that you just weren't like this movie's garbage, it's pretentious crap. I think that's a resounding endorsement. <laughs> well, I, I think that, especially because, I mean, not to like rag on hipsters, but like, especially since it takes place <laughs> in Silver Lake, I mean, it it is renowned for its population of people wearing funny pants. Like, it's just, that's what that place is, you know? And like I said, it's only a yeah. slight exaggeration. Um, I agree. And, and you know, obviously better than I do, but if I can say one thing, I do recommend this movie. I, I actually highly recommend this movie. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Everything, not everything, most everything worked for me. There's some things that didn't really work for me. Um, but this movie is, I think it's better upon repeat viewing especially when you know what's going to happen you can kind of look out for what's going because everything's set up very well not everything has meaning and if even if it does have meaning it's just it is what it is it doesn't necessarily tie into the plot or the Mm. story (laughs) i do like the style and the message of it and i because i think it's the story and the message is sort of mixed Mm -hmm. um i mean it's mostly direct but it's sort of mixed but i I think it is basically talks about how hollywood sort of eats and spits up eats up and spits out people specifically women uh, because a lot of people i've read some comments that were like this movie objectifies women and this movie is sexist disagree i think this movie points that out and says no that's wrong because sam is an objectifier you're not supposed to he's a, an, a worshiper and a, a, an objectifier at he's the a, same he's time a voyeur, yeah yeah i think you're not supposed to identify with him in that you want to be like that him or you aspire to be like i think you identify with him like he's a regular guy but there's some bad things about him that there's some things that he hasn't worked out and worked on and that's because he has he's too much into pop culture and he's too much into that kind of thinking. And the reason I say this is because there's one point where his hipster friend, which is Topher Grace and him are playing around with a drone and they are spying on a woman and she doesn't obviously doesn't know that they're, she's being spied on and she takes off her top and she's in her bra. And immediately after she takes off her top, I mean, and she's a very attractive woman and they comment on it. And that's the whole point. They're staring at her. She starts bawling. Yeah. She starts like crying and it immediately gets awkward. And it's like, you know what? That's exactly what you get. You lousy perverts. Um, <laughs> That's a person 
That's a person you're taking advantage of. That's a person that you're violating their personal rights and you're objectifying them. And that's what you get. Oh, is that not sexy? Is that, is that person, that woman who's in her bra and panties is crying? Is that not sexy to you? Does that not turn you on? That's her private life. And you have like violated that. And that's exactly what you get. Cause immediately they're like, Oh yeah. You know, it's supposed to be like a, like a pervy movie moment, like Porky's or something. And it turns into something very real. Like it shows how sleepy these two guys are it doesn't it doesn't say hey you know you should be like these two cool guys no it's like you're wrong you shouldn't have done that that's a person they have real feelings what are you doing well and and just to add a little extra context the discussion that they're having right before that is another one of these sort of directorial mm-hmm. theses where Topher is saying that we have an entire generation of people that because of the internet and because of surveillance and all this stuff have a low level constant paranoia about being watched. Right. And and so they're doing it. And then immediately I think the topless woman crying and all that is the director saying, and it's not okay. You know, you're the problem as well as you're complaining about it, but yet you're doing it. Right. Uh, So I think that was funny. There's, there's things like that in the movie, which I latched onto, which I think were done. Yeah, fairly well. I fairly well to to uh, really well, in my opinion. So it's kind of like the anti La La Land, <laughs> if you've ever watched that movie, where La La Land celebrates Hollywood. This doesn't necessarily celebrate Hollywood. It kind of shines a light on it. Yeah. Well, uh, spe- it's, despite being highly surreal, it's probably a more accurate, you know, vision. I think that's the the whole point of it. I think that's why it works for me. It's because it is so surreal, and it's like, well. It's this is, you know, it's taking some things and just kind of twisting them a little bit. And then other parts, it's like, yeah, that's kind of real, actually. That's kind of down to earth. And it is it's pretty accurate. But I I like that it's weird, but not for the sake of weird. It's actually trying to say something. So it's like accessibly weird. If that makes sense. So anyway, I recommend this. Uh, John, appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Appreciate you watching this. Thanks for having me. I highly recommend it. You can catch it on Amazon. Um, I think it's only like five bucks or something. It was free with Prime. Oh, it's free with Prime. That's right. It is free with Prime because I didn't pay for it, but it's free with Prime. But I think if you don't have Prime, I think it's still only like five or six bucks to rent. It's worth a watch. John, is there anything you want to plug before we let these people go? Uh, No, just repeat. Check out the video game season. Um, Keep an eye out for the tournament uh, at the end of the season to see who is the overall victor. Yeah. That's cinemaslop.com. That's cinemaslop.com on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can definitely check that out. Um, I I play a minuscule part into it, and I have a ton of fun being the pseudo expert on there. We had a great time recording these. We're actually still in the process of recording these. Um, but definitely not behind the it. curtain. I, oh no! I've shattered the illusion. That's what I. That's what this podcast is all about. I had a really great time doing it, and you should definitely check it out and listen to it. It's a lot of fun. They break it down all these movies, and it's. I think the results are a little bit surprising. I think we've given some ups to a lot of things that people would give downs to, and we've given downs things to a lot of things people would give ups to. So. Definitely listen out to check it out and to email John at CinemaSlop or tweet at him at CinemaSlop or you can email me at SuperMovieBall, tweet at me at SuperMovieBall. You guys know the deal. Thank you for listening, John. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. That's all I got to say. You guys have yourself a great day. John, say bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right. That's good. Man. Thanks. All right. You thought we were done, but we're not done. Sorry. Uh, I totally screwed up. And so now, well, that's not news, is it? That's not news at all. I constantly screw up. We're not done. Stop the music. If it's not already stopped, it's time for what we call the great British off. 
make him an offer he cannot refuse Show me the money, you can't handle the truth Get your monocle and top hat and get ready to laugh Ah, forget it, Jake, it's the Great British Off Mm, love that theme. That theme is so good, you guys. You have no idea. I love listening to it every week. I made okay, Madeline's. So, <laughs> so do we have rules? No, we don't have rules. We have guidelines. So what are the guidelines? Any phony voice will do. It doesn't have to be British. Um, the guest picked the voice or picked the voice. Picked, well, they picked the voice, actually, and they picked the lines. They picked the lines uh, for themselves, and then they pick a random line for me to say. Uh, is there ad-libbing? You bet there's ad-libbing, but the line mostly has to remain intact, so it has to be recognizable. So you can do uh, British accent, but if the line is originally in British accent, you can pick whatever you want. Clown, dog accent, cat accent, snuffleupagus, Chicago, Boston, Southern, doesn't matter. And if you've got a quote in mind, send it into the show, supermovieball, at Gmail and Twitter. Um... Who wants to go first? We got uh, me, we got John, and then somehow he jumped into the episode, Grand Wizard Lizard. Who wants to go first? I pick Grand Wizard Lizard. Let's do this. Yeah, I do too. Because You, you want to do that? Do Let's Grand. do Grand Wizard it's... Lizard. Woo! Here. How's everyone doing? In your own time, as the British say. Uh, well, I'm going to do one just plain. I want to get a little take on this, and then maybe I'll try to put a little spin on it. All right. It's a, it's a bit it. of a long one, but here we go. <clears throat> the only person that I let in on the fact that I'm still alive was a six-year-old boy. Huh. I'm going to be a six-year-old again. Well, John, it's been fun, but I got to go. I have a date with a six-year-old boy today, and you have a date with death. What is this, Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, close. It's Chucky. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> can you can you do that in a voice like a sinister one? That'd be great. Ooh, sinister voice. I'll do my best uh, Mark Hamill impression because these have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> right. That's perfect. <clears throat> well, the only person <laughs> that I let on the fact that I'm still alive is a six-year-old kid. It's gonna be fun to be six again. Well, John, it's been fun, but I gotta go. I have a date with a six-year-old boy, and you <laughs> have a date with death. <laughs> All right, Grand Wizard Lizard, that's amazing. I love that. It's so good. So Again, good. That's Chucky. <laughs> Which movie? Uh, it's from the first one. Is nice. it from the first one? I'm not familiar. I, you know, I've seen all of them. Is that from the new the first new one, one or the old one? The old one. Well, yeah. they, they could have redid it in the new one, but right, I haven't right. seen the new know. one. I haven't seen it either, but that's a good one from Child's Play. All right. Well, in honor, in honor of that selection, I'm going to do my voice as Brad Dourif. Let's <laughs> <laughs> if you can do a decent Brad Dourif, I'll allow it. If not... <laughs> well, that's getting bleep. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, that's, what, that's a Chucky line. Come on, no. Um, all right, so I was going to do... A line from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I'm going to try to do it as Brad. Oh, Bickle. you shouldn't announce it. Oh, I'm going to do a different line from. <laughs> 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 well, you can edit that too. Jeez, it's the power. No, of it. <laughs> it's ruined now. You've soiled right. the good name of Super Movie Ball. <clears throat> what is the un? What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> <laughs> 
Brad, that's brilliant. I Brad Dourif, ladies and gentlemen. Is that Gilbert Godfrey? <laughs> it was like a little Gilbert Godfrey and like a little like like uh, Jewish at the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then. There you go. I hope it didn't peek out too much. All right. No, it's great. It's perfect. All right, let's do this. There we go. Uh, I got my line here that John sent me. <laughs> Since Mac is not a horror guy, I sent him a horror line. Uh, but you okay? This is a spoiler alert. You sent it from like one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Classic. Yeah, this is good stuff. Let's go. I thought I'd gone beyond the limits. I hadn't. The Cinebites gave me an experience beyond limits. Pain and pleasure indivisible. <laughs> and that, of course, is from Hellraiser 1? Correct, Maybe yeah. Two? That's, that's, okay. that's Frank explaining some stuff. Like, that's that's some good stuff right there. I dude, Hellraiser. I don't know why, but that movie is. Those movies are the first two are just speak to me for some reason. Oh yeah, and the third one is terrible but great. Uh yeah. Well, you're not wrong. You're not yeah. wrong. All right. Well, that's the great British off. All we got left is our last segment. Of course, is would you rather? Mm-hmm. Jason and I played a good round of uh, American. <laughs> that was supposed to be a pause, but we're just going to let that stuff in there. All right. Well, I apologize. That's two you got to believe. <laughs> no, nope. We're leaving that in because this is how we do. On, uh, I was going to say Cinema Slot, but I'm not on Cinema Slot. This is Super Movie Ball. We're right, infecting guys. you. Uh, how do we want to do this? You know what? We're going to do this piecemeal. Grand Lizard Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> You're going first. Answer the first three. This is Would You Rather, Grand Wizard Lizard. <clears throat> yes. Would you rather be a student who always sleeps in class or or be a student who always talks in class? I was always the student that always slept in class. So yeah, that I is, figured you were. That is my human. I still pass right. somehow. <laughs> we'll check that one. 62%. Agreed with you. 38% did not agree with you. So you're, you're right on track there. All right. Next question. Would you rather be able to sit? I'm sorry. God. <laughs> I can't read. I can't read. Be unable to sit or be unable to stand. Hmm. I'd rather uh, be unable to stand. All right. Uh, 39% people agree with you. 61% disagree with you. Minority, yes. That's right. That's where you you feel comfortable. I was going to go unable to sit. I mean, I know that you didn't ask me because that doesn't eliminate lying down. How do you poop? (laughs) Do it lying down. I mean, (laughs) that makes for a messy wipe. Just get yourself a lay down toilet. It really does. (laughs) Last question for Grand Wizard Lizard. Uh, Would you rather see the most beautiful thing in the world or taste the most delicious thing in the world food 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 you're a foodie and you know what this is a pretty close one 51 percent of the people agree with you 49 <sighs> do not so you you got you're on you're on the, don't sigh in disbelief or I'm aggravation i'm in this it's like okay minority. to be in the majority or majority 
He's just uncomfortable what? with that position. I'm with you. I would rather taste. I'd rather taste the most delicious Eyesight's thing. Sight's deceiving. Taste is not. Wow, that's <clears throat> that's really profound. Holy crap! It's also not true, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Perception is reality, John. Shut up. Yeah, but you perceive <laughs> the same way that you do with seeing. Your brain is making a representation of what it's interpreting your senses to be doing. You burn out a couple taste buds, man. Your upper tongue fried. <laughs> When I came to where Grand Lizard Wizard resides, he took us to the best restaurant. He took me and my wife to the best restaurant. So there you go. Curtis is right. delicious. You get the same faulty perception. Okay. All right. Sit there quietly while I talk. To- <laughs> sit there quietly while I talk to John. John, it's your turn to would you rather. We're going to play the theme again. No, I'm getting I'm getting the signal we're not going to play the theme again. <laughs> no, I'm not a jerk for talking. Now I'm a normal guy for talking. It's great. <laughs> All right, John, shut up and listen. <laughs> Would you rather meet Sally Styles or kick I'm sorry, sorry, who's Harry Styles? Who's that? One Direction. Oh, wow. How do you know that? Hold on. Stop everything. How do you know that? I know pop culture. I'm sorry. Wow, we're skipping that one. We're skipping that one. Holy <laughs> so, crap! So the question, we, I the got question questions is, for you. Like, Sally Styles. I know Sally Field. Grand Lizard Wizard, <laughs> you are full of surprises. We got questions for you afterwards. Well, let's Holy rephrase the crap. question. John, talk. Would you rather meet a guy, <laughs> <laughs> a dude from like? New question. We never do this. Uh, I always always stick to the question, but I have no idea who that was. But John, would you rather be incredibly stupid but have the best of luck? Or be incredibly genius, but have the worst of luck. I mean, I'm already smart enough that I think luck is just a dumb idea. So I guess genius. (laughs) Uh, 29% said what you said. 71% said they'd rather be stupid. So that tells you a lot about people. I'm just just thinking that with incredible competency, I could overcome chance. But, you know, that's just just what I'm thinking. (laughs) You're wrong. There's a bunch of smart people who are totally miserable. Uh, yeah, ignorance they, is bliss there's a reason why that's the a EPA. saying <laughs> alright for some reason there's an ad on my phone so give me one two three four five seconds to exit out of that pay for some microtransactions <laughs> heck no I'm not paying for nothing it's all about free on my phone alright John second question would you rather be in the summer olympics or be in the winter olympics this is the most generic question ever sorry no this is easy i was a fat kid i sweated so much in high school i am not sweating anymore give me winter okay well you're not far off 41 percent said winter olympics 59 besides i don't know if people know this skiing is doing nothing while going downhill (laughs) so it you know well people die while skiing so it's basically doing nothing fast exactly (laughs) that sounds like my life yeah (laughs) doing nothing fast all right. So back to One Direction. Jason, what's up with that? Yeah, no, hold on. We're not done yet. We'll get to that. We'll get your jump Stop the Stop avoiding gun the questions. Again. I thought you said you wanted to do the Olympics. Don't jump the gun. All right. Last question for John. Would you rather not be able to tell time or not know left from right? Not time. Not be able to tell time. Because I would much rather know where I am and not know if like I need to be somewhere else. <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of split. Forty nine percent agree with you, fifty one don't. So there is, you go. Is there like an option right. for both? Because I I have a hard time telling time sometimes, and every once in a while I get drunk enough that I don't know my left from right. So are you black? Because a lot of black people don't know the left or right or what time it is. Boom! I can say that CPT? because I'm black. <laughs> Man, things got all Zack Snyder up in here. <laughs> Call sorry, sorry. back 
to that's a call forward or a call back i can't tell well, that's, a, that's a call to a section of audio that will never be released yeah it will never be released <laughs> because don't. it wasn't recorded i don't understand tense <laughs> oh okay so but there's going to be a new segment right here uh, which is called grand wizard lizard explain your wisdom how the heck do you know about harry styles i, I want know. answers I, I don't know i know people exist I, I see things. I know things. <laughs> That's the magical power of the Grand Wizard Lizard. I know of existence. Unacceptable answer. Uh, if Are I you a quote... fan of One Direction? <laughs> no. All right. Fair enough. Well, guys, that's been enough for us. Thank you for listening. John, thank you for being guest. Thank you, Mysterious Grand Wizard Lizard, for editing yourself into our episode somehow. Some s- mysterious black magic. I have no idea what's happening here. Why has it got to be black if, magic? If it makes everyone feel better, I don't know any member of the Hanson brothers. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're married to one. Don't lie to me. He's a beautiful man. I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, when you moved to those liberal cities, they issued you a Hanson. That's how many of them there are. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what happens? Well, no wonder. No. All right, guys. That's it. Thanks for listening to Super Movie Ball. John, where can they find you? Cinemaslop.com. Uh, also tweeting from the same place. Also not Instagramming often from the same place. Uh, and letterboxing fairly often from the same place. All right. Grand Wizard Lizard, what rock can they find you underneath? The same. All right. Cool. I live there with Thanks. my Hanson. <laughs> and your Hanson. Hand in hand with your Hanson. That's your podcast. There you go. Uh, thanks, hand guys, in Hanson. <laughs> I think that's a different type of show. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm going to finish the show now. Thanks, guys, for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, See me later if you want to know why this show at the end got gone really off the rails. Thanks. Bye. That's you all patched up, Magoonie. Good as new. Thank you, sir. 
Might I take the liberty to point out that you have plenty of entertainment fuel for the podcast, but you have no foodstuffs readily available. What? I'll be fine. You worry too much. It's your turn to patch me up now. Although, strangely, my head doesn't hurt anymore. Sir, your head does not require patching up. Really? Good. That's one less thing off our ever-growing to-do list. I am afraid not, sir. Your head has been transmogrified into a VHS cassette tape. Wait, so my head's what? There is some good news, sir. It appears to be a 12-hour tape. For real? Oh, wow. For once, things are looking up. Do you like bacon? Sure you do! Do you like bacon bits? What about bacon bites? Well now you can have all three, kinda. Oh, you can! The Cinema Slop Podcast is back with Season 2. The time has come for the ultimate showdown. John and Jason have committed themselves to a cause. Video game adaptations. Cinema Slop spared no expense in using the most advanced methods available. Science, brackets, and Mac. They intend to finally end the debate over which video game movie is the ruler of them all. So fill up your life bar, craft as many pork-themed weapons as you can carry, and prepare to despair as they nearly run out of those little dudes that sit up at the top of the screen to tell you how many lives you have left. For the most prized prize of them all, the Golden Eagle Cup. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, noobs, casuals, hardcore, ultra, uber, elite status gamers, I present to you the Super Turbo Mint 16. Now let's meet our contenders. Super Mario Brothers, Devil Dragon, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Wing Commander, whoosh, whoosh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, Doom, Silent Hill, shh, it's a secret, it's Silent Hill, Hitman, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, The Angry Birds Movie, Warcraft, colon, The Beginning, Tomb Raider, The Remake, The Reboot, The Do-Over, Rampage, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, he's a detective, but he's also a Pokemon, and also a Pikachu. Dare you follow the slop as they inspect these electronic interactive experiences magically transformed into silver-screened talkies? Every bit, every bite, every single last one of those pixels. From cartridge to ROM, from floppy to flash, from offline to on, Act now and you can receive an ultra-exclusive podcast catcher for Cinema Slop Season 2 while supplies last. This time, it's polygonal. I hope uh, this is a very serious episode. <clears throat> you, should probably, you should probably leave in the line where I said that we infected your show. <laughs> <laughs> we stopping? I'll stop. Yep. Let's stop.